Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, got a treat for you guys. We're joined by the Athletics' Dane Brugler, who just released his first 2023 NFL mock draft. We're going to be talking some picks in the mock draft, some overall thoughts on the class, what he's hearing from the league, tons of great stuff. Plus, we're going to get to your listener voicemails as well at the end of the show to get you guys in on the show. There's a lot of great draft questions as well as some, oh, why is my team struggling? And we tried to answer those at the end of the show. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me as always is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers joining you for the final time this week, a Thursday edition of the show. And boy, is it a special edition. Timing was on our side, Connor, because a good friend of ours, Dane Brugler, who covers the NFL draft for the athletic, he released his very first mock draft of the season. So we hit him up. We're like, hey, you want to come on the show and talk about it? And he said, oh, you talk about a mock draft? Sure. Why not? So we actually have Dane joining us later in the show, which I am very, very excited about. Man, it, well, timing's on your side when you do a dang podcast almost every day of the week. So we well, have that going. That, we have that going for us. That's also the true. Reasons. I was uh, shout out to everybody that sent us the Spotify raps of them listening oh, to yeah. us. An unbelievable amount. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. It's awesome. You know, it, it allows us to do this show many, many times during the week, and you know, get guests like Dane and Trevor. This we obviously already taped the conversation with him. An incredible uh, combo. So exciting to have him on. Obviously, one of the best in our industry. I think his output of work is as impressive as I've ever seen for one human being. So really, really awesome to have him on this time of year. Something I love so much about Dane's work is that he's so thorough, right? Everybody who's listening to this show has probably at one point or another read his NFL draft guide, which he calls the beast. And he calls it the beast for a reason. It's because there's so much information in it. And right now we're in the gathering information part of this NFL draft process. And, you know, he's watching so many different guys, but also something that we pick his brain about is he's got a lot of really great connections around the NFL as well. So it's kind of combining what we're seeing on tape, what he's seeing on tape versus what the league is seeing on tape and knows for the background information of a lot of these guys as well. So a fantastic conversation with him. Um, We're going to get to it in a second, but like Connor said, blown away by y'all sending us your spotify wrapped your apple music wrapped whatever it is that you guys for the sent maniacs us where... apple wrapped is insanity i just want to make that clear okay well i'm i mean i'm a spotify guy you, you, oh, okay you you were about to reveal very scary news to me there for a second I'm no, like, I'm, I'm not I'm a, an app, or your I'm not title a... you're on I had, pandora i had title for one day and it was to download the new jay-z album like the first time that they did that and then i was like yeah. okay i'm not doing this anymore I'm, I'm sticking with spotify it's too user-friendly it's too easy spotify knows me we've been through a lot but seriously everybody who uh who had nflse as one of their top five podcasts that you sent us a screenshot for tweeted at us send us on instagram hit up the show uh channel on instagram as well it's just means the world guys uh, we've said this so many times but we know there's a million places where you can get NFL draft coverage and for us to be something that you devote your precious time to, to listen to us and, and um, go back and forth with us and engage and be a part of the show just means the world. And this is, this is a time of the year where we're very thankful and grateful for it. So all you sex addicts out there, which Lord knows when we started this pod, I did not think that's what the name of our diehard fans is going to be called. Uh, We love every single one of you and we appreciate you listening to the show. 
it's amazing. It is funny that uh, I was actually getting nervous when I was watching the Wrapped, what they were going to classify our listeners as, because that's how they do it, like into a genre. And it was something like oh, enthusiast. Right. It was enthusiast, basically <laughs> calling people diehards. But I was like, are they about to call them addicts? <laughs> is this really, really going to happen? So it was really too, cool, man. But like we said, loaded show today. It, don't go anywhere after the interview with Dane, because we are getting to your voicemails, as we always try to do at some point in one of the shows in the middle of the week. Yep. Without further ado, let's do it. Let's kick it to the interview before we get to the voicemails afterwards. All right. Now joining us, it's the one and only Dane Brugler. You know him as the author of The Beast, one of the most incredible draft guides that you could get during draft season. We know that anybody who's listening to this podcast has read that. His fantastic work is over at The Athletic. And if you visited The Athletic today, well... You were in for a treat if you're a draft fan because Dane dropped his very first mock draft of the 2023 NFL draft season. We're here to talk about that and so many other things. Dane, thank you so much for joining us here today, my friend. No, I appreciate you guys having me. It's uh, it's a, it's a fun day when you can release a mock into the wild and then you uh, just kind of sit back and watch as people feast on it uh, and, you know, give you feedback, both good and bad. But, uh, you know, as long as it's constructive, you know, I'll, I'll take the feedback. Bringing it into the wild is, I think, a really great way to put it when you uh, play some mock draft. Like you said, that just feels like meat that just goes to uh, the people who are there to feast on it. My, my first question for you, before we actually dig into the mock, I, I know that the the draft at this point, it's a 365 thing. But obviously, there are some people who wouldn't consider this draft season. They would consider it the actual season with the game. So what is your schedule like? I'm very curious. You know, what are your weeks like? What is your day to day? What are you going through in the scouting process at this point in the calendar? What's this part of the year like for you? I, I think it's really trying to um, finish because, you know, you want a base before the season ends and you really get into, uh, you know, January 1 when the, the calendar flips and it's truly draft season. And when we're you know talking about all-star games, combine workouts, things like that. I, I want to have a base understanding of who all these guys are. You know, I want to go into the quote unquote draft process with uh, at least a firm grade based off of tape study of each one of these players. And so uh, it's a lot of catch up. It's a, you know, and that's what I do over the summer is try to get a base understanding of who these guys are before the season starts. And then now it's just playing catch up with the tape from this year um, understanding, okay, you know, this guy, uh, we thought of him as this coming into the year and then he showed some improvement or maybe right. he struggled a little bit. What are the reasons for that? And just trying to play catch up and, uh, you know, putting a grade on all these guys. So, um, you know, it's a lot of trading information. It's a lot of, you know, talking with scouts, talking with league guys, getting an understanding of, oh, I didn't know this guy was, you know, so highly thought of, okay, I need to go watch more of him and things like that. So some new names, um, you know, hopefully in this mock draft, maybe there's some, uh, you know, names that you don't really see talked about as much, but Hey, you know what? Scouts are talking about him as a possible first rounder. So you need to know about him, that type of thing. So, you know, it's, it's really just trying to prepare myself as best I can to know all these players before we get into that draft season. Dane, obviously the quarterbacks always kind of steal. They're the star of the show with mock drafts. And it's not really a huge surprise to see somebody like Bryce young as the number one overall pick to the Houston Texans. And the fit with C.J. Stroud, fifth overall to the Carolina Panthers, is a no-brainer. But I think a lot of people or the average viewer will be surprised to read the first line saying the league is split on where C.J. Stroud will land. This is a guy that 
on sports books that have it available is the favorite has been the favorite to go number one overall on this podcast. I think Trevor and I often talk about him as a potential number two or number three overall pick. So how varied are the opinions that you hear about Stroud this time of year? It really is split. Um, you know, there are, uh, and you know, it's funny because let's take it back to the last quarterback class where up until the week of the draft, um, you know, I'm checking in with all my league sources and, and scouts and, you know, where are these quarterbacks going to go? And it's, it was almost unanimous that, Hey, they're going to go quarterbacks always do. They're going to go. And we have one quarterback going the first 73 picks. So I, you know, it, this is going to be really interesting going into this year, uh, into this draft is okay. You know, cause I think a lot of teams pass on a quarterback in last year's draft in the first two rounds because advanced scouting told them this is going to be a better quarterback class in 2023. Mm. Well, you know what? Advanced scouting for 2024 draft tells you tells us that the 2024 draft is going to be better at the quarterback position. So is this going to be a trend where we see teams say, hey, we're, we'll be patient for one more year because we like these guys, but we might love who's in next year's class, talking about Caleb Williams, talking about Drake May. You know, we'll see what Anthony Richardson does. Uh, what does Quinn Ewers look like a year from now in his right. development? Um, JJ McCarthy at Michigan. I mean, there's a lot more names that to get excited about. And so, you know, not, there are a lot of GMs that don't have that job security. A lot of head coaches that can't say, Hey, let's punt for another year, but will it become a little bit more of a trend or will we revert back to quarterback desperation where we see three quarterbacks going to top seven picks like we're, we've kind of been accustomed to uh, over the years. So uh, with CJ Stroud specifically, he is a, uh, a quarterback that in rhythm, And when everything is in structure, he makes it look easy. He's very smart pre-snap, post-snap. And when he's in rhythm, it looks, it looks great. He's accurate. He's on time. He's got a very smooth stroke, but it's outside of structure. That's where things fall apart a little bit. It's where he's not as comfortable. It's not that he's a bad athlete. It's just, he's an in-structure quarterback. At least that's what the tape says. Um, And he's not as comfortable when things break down. And we know in the NFL it's not as easy anymore to just be a passer. You have to be a creator. And so for some teams, they're looking at CJ Stroud saying, Hey, I like he's accurate. He's smart. He's a good rhythm passer, but I'm, I'm worried about when things break down, can he create? And we need a quarterback that can do that. So that's where I think the disconnect is between some of these opinions on CJ Stroud. I think he's very well liked. He's just not universally loved from team to team. And so we're very early in the process. Um, you know, he's expected to come out. I think, you know, he will come out. Um, And then it becomes interesting about how team by team, they look at this player, the lions we know uh, could potentially be looking for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the Colts are currently in the mid first round. Could they move up for one of these guys? Uh, You know, the Raiders, possibly Derek Carr. We don't know what his future holds. Uh, You know, there are a couple other teams in this mix. So it's, it's going to be interesting with Stroud because he could be, uh, I mean, realistically, he could be the first quarterback drafted, could be the third quarterback drafted. Um, you know, not everybody's going to be on board with Bryce Young and his size. He's a complete outlier in that respect. So um, it, it's a quarterback class that we're going to have a lot of varied opinions, depending on who you talk to. I love the way you said that between, you know, a quarterback's got to be more than a passer. They got to be creators. And I think that we're seeing that on Sundays all the time with even some of the best passers. It's the guys that take that to the next level. Also fascinating to hear that people in the league we're having the same conversations that all of us were in the media. Hey, oh, the quarterback run, it's got to be coming, right? I mean, it's so desperate for the quarterback position, and only one goes in the first round last year. So it's just kind of crazy to hear that the, that was kind of what was going on behind the scenes. You know, you mentioned with quarterback, us always looking to the future, 
people have a tendency to think the grass is greener down the road, no matter what, maybe getting bored of a certain draft class. And are people getting bored with Will Anderson? I mean, have we just talked about Will Anderson so much over the last year that we're bored at this point? Because it feels like, you know, everybody's really comfortable with Will sliding a little bit for quarterbacks. And, you know, the numbers aren't as prolific as they were last year, but he's still fourth in college football in pressures this year. And I wanted to make sure that I point that out. But I think the last time I checked, he was your number one overall prospect still. So yeah. I knew you have a lot of praise to say, whether he's one or two or three or whatever he is. But what's your just overall opinion on Will Anderson? Is he still this guy that has the potential of a number one overall pick type of impact player. What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, he's still the best player in this draft, in my opinion. And it's something where the bar was set so high after last year. I mean, it, it was an elite season last season. Uh, it, it was a joke that he wasn't higher in the Heisman uh, Trophy uh, voting. Um, you know, he had 34 tackles for loss. Uh, number two in the nation uh, was, I think, Devin Lloyd with 22. I mean, he had 12 more than the, the next best guy in, in terms of, uh, you know, making plays in enemy territory. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that when when the bar is set so high coming into this year and he sees more attention this year, offenses are game planning against him. And it, it is fair to point out that I don't think he has played as well this year as he did last year. Now, I don't think he's been, you know, bad or even average by any means. He's still playing at a very high level. But I, the biggest worry for me is the missed tackles. That's something where... It, it, disruption is great, okay? But as a pass rusher, as a guy that you're considering to be a cornerstone of your franchise, I need you to be a better finisher. And there are almost every tape that I pull up with Alabama this year, he's missing missing a tackle here, missing a tackle there, where that's a that could be a difference between, uh, you know, a first down and, you know, a third and long, and it drastically changes the game. And so, uh, you know, you throw on that, that LSU tape. If he makes some of those tackles in the backfield, maybe the outcome is different uh, in that game. So um, that he's not a perfect prospect by any means. Uh, you know, the the missed tackles are bothersome, but this is still an elite player. And as good as he is as a pass rusher, he's actually a better run defender, which is really, really encouraging for that next level. Uh, you wish he was a little bit bigger. He's probably going to come in between 245 and 253 in terms of weight. Uh, so you wish he was a little bit bigger than that and just a little more stout, but he plays bigger. He understands how to use his hands. Uh, he He's a very locked in competitor. This isn't a guy that's been skating by and, you know, playing not to get hurt, anything like that. This is a, this is a guy that you're going to feel very good about character wise, football character wise, and then just the overall talent. So he, he, to me, you know, if you want to argue that Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle is uh, a, a you know better player? That, that's fine because Jalen Carter is a really good player. I, I'm I, I'm all for hearing that debate, but in terms of him falling, no, it, it, it's uh, that's a non-starter at least in my opinion. He should be, if not the first non-quarterback drafted, the second non-quarterback drafted, and I'll be shocked if he's not a top three or four pick uh, come April. Speaking of the pass rushers, I, I love how high and how early you've been on Jared Verse out of Florida State. You had him 15th overall to the Falcons. I know you really go. Uh, were posting clips of him back in September. The only reason I knew Jared Verse early is because I graduated from Albany, and he's probably the best mm. player uh, to play for the program in quite some time, possibly ever, even though it was a short stay. So when you look at Verse after talking about Will Anderson like that, does he have a chance after testing, after interviews? Trevor has, you know, gotten the chance to speak with him, absolutely loved him, really, really bright guy, that he could be the second edge off the board in this class? 
Uh, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't see why not. Uh, you know, and yeah, like you said, in my mock draft, he's coming off the board at 15. Um, and, you know, I, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, I, I had him coming off in the top 10. If you consider him a, a an edge rusher, he's kind of, you know, a blurred lines because he's so big. He could play inside, he could play outside. Uh, but with Verse, I, I, I mean, there's there's so much to like about what he offers because he's he can win in different ways. Uh, you know, he has that burst, that get off where he can win with speed, but he also has different counters. He also has power through his frame. Uh, you know, and he's a guy that despite missing time this year uh, with, uh, with, with a minor injury, he still leads the ACC in tackles for a loss with 14 and a half. And so he's not a guy that's just, you know, winning with speed off the edge and, and sacking the quarterback. He's making plays versus the run. And so this is two years in a row now that Florida State is, you know, bringing in a pass rusher from the transfer portal. Now, Jermaine Johnson last year was a little bit more well-known at Georgia, um, you know, had a little more pedigree, bets on himself, goes to Florida State, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Jared Verse, you know, coming from the FCS level, a little more unknown, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, there are a lot of teams after him. He chooses Florida State, and I think there's a very good chance he's going to end up in the first round. So uh, it's it's been cool to see that two years in a row now for the Seminoles. But, yeah, Verse is a, a big-time competitor, and like I said, the, the thing that I love most about him is how he wins in different ways. It's not just speed. It's not just power. Uh, he understands what he's doing with his hands. And he's still, you feel like he hasn't played his best football yet. So, um, you know, when you look at the the premium that uh, teams have at pass rusher in terms of where they're going to draft those guys, I very easily see Jared Verse going in the top half of round one. I want to talk about wide receivers because all fans love when their teams get a wide receiver in a mock draft. They just love it because they love offense. They love playmakers. It's just something that, that fans always gravitate towards. You've got four wide receivers going in the first round of your mock draft. You got Quinn Johnson from TCU going off the board first, number 11 of the Jags. Then you got Jordan Addison going to the Patriots at 18. Um, Jack Smith and Jigba going to the Vikings at 29. And then 30, Kansas City Chiefs, you got you got Jalen Hyatt there. So it's four wide receivers in the first round. When I find myself doing mock drafts, and when I find myself having this wide receiver conversation with a lot of people, I feel as though there's not that strong of a connection with this wide receiver class. It doesn't seem as star-studded, if you will, going back to last year, the last couple of years, whatever it has been. Is that the vibe that you get with this wide receiver class? Obviously, it feels like we're going to get some in the first round no matter what, but would the how does the NFL view this wide receiver class if you have a feeling on that? And then what are your overall thoughts on it? Do you think the teams are going to pick wide receiver no matter what? Or do you think that this might be a year where we don't see as many go in the first round that we've seen over the last couple of years? Yeah, this is a great topic because uh, aside from where the quarterbacks were going in this mock, the biggest challenge that I found when when mapping out these uh, these picks was where are these where do these wide receivers go? Uh, because you know I don't to your point I don't think this is a wide receiver class as star studded as uh as elite at the top as we've seen in the last two years um you know i don't think any of these receivers are better than what the first four that were drafted last year at yeah. least you could make that argument um right. and, and so you know it, 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 i had quentin, quentin johnson come off the board of the jags at 11 I, I honestly i don't feel great about that um you know they, they just traded for calvin ridley uh, i think zay jones is still under contract christian kirk is still under contract um i hey, think it was be, just all hey, about fun, you know, they, 
It'd be fun though to well, see, they to need see size. whichever you know, yeah, right. right. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I I mean, if they ask themselves, how do we help out our young quarterback? Then you know, Quentin Johnston, I think, would certainly be one of those answers they would come up with. So you know, I, I again, I can defend that. Um, but you know, it's something where I didn't feel great about it. Even Jordan Addison going to the Patriots a couple picks later at eighteen. You know, we know Bill Belichick is, you know, he's going to want defense or he's going to want offensive line with this pick. And uh, I just I think about uh, what Addison could mean, be be at spark to that offense, um, you know, for for Mac Jones and everything going on there. I, I, I love the fit there. But at the same time, especially with Jacoby Myers being a free agent, pending free agent, uh, it, you know, it's uh, it's not something that I felt great about. And so uh, this is a, a receiver class that will be interesting do we is it going to be like you know a couple of years ago where we saw you know aj brown fall out of the second round um you know we, we there were some good receivers in that class but teams weren't in love with them and they fell a little bit or is it going to be like the past two years where these guys are just going to go because wide receiver has become the biggest playmaker in today's nfl more so than any other position aside from quarterback and guys are just their teams are desperate for that, you know, guys that can give you a spark. And so uh, it's really it's a really uh, interesting debate, um, especially when you look at the top 20. There's not a lot of obvious landing spots for these uh, for these wide receivers. And so it's going to be something to, worth monitoring throughout the process, you know, and, and see who comes out and which one of these underclassmen come out. And then, you know, what what kind of movement do we see in the offseason free agency trades? Uh, where we see an, a, a legitimate need. It seemed like last year we saw, we had a lot of, you know, we knew the Jets needed one. We knew, you know, the Saints could go after one. I mean, there were mm-hmm. a lot of landing spots that made sense. This year, I don't think there are as many landing spots that are obvious, and uh, there are not as many prospects that I think are clear top 20 picks. So if we didn't have a receiver going to the top 20 this year, that shouldn't surprise anybody because these receivers are good, but they're, they're not at the same level we've had the last few years. And so, um, you know, seeing guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who look, Jackson Smith and Jigba has some third round grades out there from teams. So it's not, he isn't this, you know, lock first. And this is before the hamstring injury. This is coming into the year. So he's not this lock top 10 pick that a lot of people made him out to be, um, you know, a guy like Jalen Hyatt's really interesting because he's come on this year. He's got the speed, he's got the ball skills down the field. Uh, but you know, his game's a little, uh, one dimensional at this point. So, you know, you could poke holes in all these receivers, but again, keep coming back to offenses want star power at the position. They want those fireworks. And so, um, you know, I, I don't, this early in the process, I don't think we have a good feeling just yet how early those receivers are going to go and then how many end up in the first round. Last year, we had a fun corner debate between Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner, just two really good players. And and this year, in a, a picks man from 9 to 13, you had three corners go. And Trevor and I have had this conversation often between Christian Gonzalez, Keely Ringo, and of course, Joey Porter Jr. as well. And it's something that's going to continue on this show. Do you think... Dane, really, that Gonzalez, and I feel like you've you've had the stance for a couple months now, is the front runner to be the first corner off the board just because his measurables and a chance that he'll run in the four threes is just puts him in that unique territory at the position. Yeah, no doubt. And, and really, you could say the same about Keely Ringo. Um, I mean, he's just such a physical freak. Both these guys are. Um, I think that, uh, you know, a big part of this, and when you're looking at corners too, is understanding which teams run mostly zone, which teams try to implement a lot of man. You know, there, there are some defenses out there that will run 
90% zone coverage. And, you know, it's that you have to make sure you're, you're drafting to fit that um, where, you know, I think Christian Gonzalez is a true man-to-man guy. Uh, can he play zone? Yeah. I mean, you need guys that can play both, but I think he's more of a man-to-man corner uh, where Keely Ringo, I think has maybe a little bit more potential uh, in zone coverage. And so that that's a big part of this conversation as well, but both these guys are freaks. Christian Gonzalez. Yeah. He was, Back in my preseason top 50 in August, he was a top 10 player, um, and I, I'm, I'm still a believer. I think one of the biggest uh, concerns with him this year was, okay, can he be enough of a playmaker when uh, the ball's thrown his way? And, you know, gave up a touchdown in the opener against Georgia. Um, you know, over the first half of the season, just wasn't making a ton of plays. But I tell you, the back half of the season, he's made a lot more plays on the ball, uh, leads the team with four interceptions. He's got double digit passes defended. So, you know, I, I think that he's he's really shown the last uh, last half of uh, the season that, hey, I can make plays on the ball. I've got the hands. I've got the ability to track the football. And, you know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm tall, I'm long, and I'm athletic. And that's a great place to start. And you can say a lot of those same things about Keely Ringo, who I think is – Maybe a little more raw, um, you know, I can watch him against, uh, you know, Tennessee or some of these other uh, offenses like to throw the ball a lot. And, you know, he he really struggles to cover comeback rounds. I mean, he is just he's running, running in reverse and, you know, he's not going to give up that big play down the field, but he gets a lot of things in front of him. And so uh, in terms of just being a physical freak, he's going to go because of, uh, you know, he's 6'2", 210, going to run in the four threes. Uh, but he's still raw in a lot of areas in terms of the route instincts and understanding what the offense is trying to do with different combinations. So, um, I, and I don't want to leave Joey Porter out of this, uh, yeah. conversation as well, who I had going 13, uh, long physical, um, you know, he, he's another guy that I think could play both man and zone. Um, I, I have him going 13 to the lions in this mock draft, which would be a lot of fun. And, um, you know, Hey, maybe the Steelers, uh, could be a possible destination for, uh, Porter as well. That'd be a, a fun story. When, when I'm doing mock drafts, I find myself wanting to pick offensive tackle or just a premium offensive lineman for so many of these teams, but it seems like I right. run out of guys that are available to select. Now, you have three offensive tackles that are going in the first round of this mock draft. I believe at number seven for Arizona, you have Paris Johnson Jr., 10 for the Houston Texans, you've got Peter Skaronsky, and then 20 for the Commanders, you have Broderick Jones. So it's those three guys that are there. How shocked were you that Olu Fashanu kind of announced from Penn State announced that he would not be declaring for the draft? Because it seems like a big blow at this point. He seems like a guy that would have been in the first round no matter what. And then also outside yeah. of these three guys that are here, who would maybe be the next offensive tackle that you might be able to sneak in around one if there is one since it seems like there's so many trench needs to fill? Yeah, well, you know, I as I thankfully I was mapping out this mock draft over the weekend and um I know, talking to one of my contacts um at Penn State and I was I was tipped off that he was going to announce this week that he was going back. So thankfully, because I initially had him in the top five. Um so you know, thankfully that didn't yeah. yeah, I I I he's a top five player in this draft if you were coming out. I really yeah. believe that. Um and so I mean yeah, think I mean think about next year with what that class could be like with with uh, him. I mean we have to remember he's you know, he doesn't turn 20 years old until next week. He's just, I, I was told that this NFL attention was like, it like blindsided. Like he had, he had no idea this was coming. And I don't think Penn State did either. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they knew what they had, 
but he still has single digit starts to his name. Um, right. You know, he's a young, young player and what he's shown up to this point has been so, so impressive. So I um, hit uh, his future is very bright, but yeah, this, this tackle class, I mean, Paris Johnson jr. Is, you know, he's really in, he's in his first year as a left tackle at the college level. And so you see some, some of the mistakes, um, but it's all due to inexperience and not lack of ability with him. He, he has everything to be, um, a top plate left tackle at the next level. Uh, Peter Skaronski is going to be really interesting because um, I, I was told he's going to, his arms are probably going to be 32 and a quarter. Um, that's going to be an issue uh, for a lot of teams. Uh, it's not like, you know, even Rashawn Slater, I think about how much we talked about his arm length, his arms were 33 uh, flat. And, and uh, you know, with Skaronski, maybe he gets it to 32 and a half, maybe. But uh, it, it's going to be under 33, and so he's just going to be an outlier. Um, and some teams are going to be out uh, in terms of him as a tackle. Now, I think everyone's going to be in on him as an offensive lineman, but um, not everyone's going to be on board with him as an offensive tackle. And then with Broderick Jones, you know, he's he's still raw. He, he's just he's he's a really good athlete, moves really well. His hands are all over the place. He gives up his chest way too easily. Another young player. He's in his first year. I mean, he saw some action last year right. uh, due to injury, but this is really his first full year as a starter. And so he's still putting things together, and there's no guarantee he'll declare. And then after that, I mean, I'm looking at my tackle rankings right now. I, I don't I don't love any of these guys. You know, I know there's some love for Darnell Wright from Tennessee, um, mm. you know, I, I do, I do like Dewan Jones from Ohio state, the big right tackle, just a mammoth mammoth dude. Um, he's, I think the improved, huge. Oh, it, 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 the, the, his wingspan is arguably the biggest we've seen, um, you know, since I've been doing this, you know, 10, 15 years, it's going to be over 89 inches, which, I mean, oh you think gosh. about, uh, <laughs> who was our Minnesota, who, who was our Minnesota guy last year? Um, Oh, Falele Ravens. Yeah. His wingspan, I mean, you know how mammoth he was. His wingspan, I think, was 85 and a half. Dewan Jones is 89. I mean, it's insane. It's it's unbelievable. Exactly. And so because of that, because of the improvements he's made, I do think that, uh, you know, he's got a chance. But I really don't see any of these other offensive tackles and say, yeah, Mm. I I think he's got a great chance to sneak in there. Jalen Duncan gets a lot of love. I mean, I just I don't see it with him. Um, you know, the athletic tools are great, but I just, uh, the, the tape doesn't match. I, I, you know, the Michigan tape is rough. Uh, the Ohio state tape is rough. Uh, he, he really has a tough time, especially versus length. Cause he's he, as tall as he is. Cause I think he's six, six. He's not a long player. I mean, he's only about 33, 33 and a half in terms of his arm length. And so, uh, he has a really tough time. So he moves well, but, uh, the struggles, and we saw it on last year's tape too, against, uh, Arnold Ebiketti, uh, who's a long arm pass rusher who gave him a lot of trouble. So, I don't these offensive tackles. I, I do like these offensive tackle class, but a lot of these guys I like more in that day two range as opposed to guys that are get pushed up in round one. Last one from me, Dane. We talk so much about Bryce Stroud and Levis in round one, uh, undoubtedly so. But after that, mm-hmm. is there a quarterback that you like that's more of a day two player, whether it's a project like Anthony Richardson? a player like Hendon Hooker that before he got hurt was just having a tremendous season, or even a guy like Michael Penix that's really starting to open eyes on the West Coast for those that stay up to watch his performances so far. Yeah, and and I think that it's a really interesting, uh, you know, tier two, three, and four quarterback class. Uh, Because you, obviously with Hooker, now you've got the injury. What does that do for um, where he lands in the draft? Uh, um, Michael Penix, what he's been doing has been really impressive. Um, I'm not ready to say he's, put himself in the top 
you know, 50, 75 conversation just yet. Sure. Uh, the, and the medicals are a big part of that as well. I mean, that that's going to be something that teams are going to have an issue with. We'll find out more about that at the Combine. Um, but, you know, Bo Nix has really, really grown on me um, as a prospect. I, I think that when you look at his tape, he's doing a lot of things really well. Uh, and whether that's, you know, on the move, uh, I mean, he's he's tough as nails. Uh, he throws a really accurate ball. Um, there, there's a lot of things about Bo Nix that, that you like. Um, and so where he ends up in the draft is going to be interesting. I think, you know, right now, um, you know, talking to scouts, you get third round feedback, that type of thing. Um, so we'll see with him uh, in, in terms of maybe like the, the next tier down. I'm a big fan of Clayton Toon out of Houston. Um, I, I, I just I look. I love that no matter what the scoreboard says, you know, the time, the, the situation, he, he's, he's just, he, he gives you his best and it, it, it he does not, uh, it, you know, wilt under pressure. Um, he's got a lot of late game uh, heroics to his name. And, um, you know, he's got a little bit of mobility in the pocket. Um, and he, he, I think there are some times where he's a little too confident in his receivers and, you know, there's some decision-making things that he needs to shore up a little bit, but uh, this is a really good quarterback who uh, I think is going to play in the league for a long time as a, as a mid-round pick. Last question, Dane. I, I want to ask you about the most interesting story that you've heard about a prospect so far. I, I mean, you, when you put out that beast draft guide, yeah. there are so many incredible little nuggets that you have in there, not just about the tape evaluation and the size and the, what they're capable of, things like that. But there's also these great background nuggets. It's why it is the must buy every single year it's part of what makes it the must buy every single year so i'm curious obviously we've got a lot of time between now when the beast for 2023 actually comes out but is there a story is there a fact maybe one or two whatever that really stands out to you that you've learned about somebody in this 2023 class yeah no there's definitely just definitely quite a bit and you know i it, uh, you know, a guy that was in this mock draft, Drew Sanders, um, yeah, he's, uh, you know, at Arkansas, he's having a career year, former mm-hmm. five-star at Alabama. Um, this guy is, he's just a physical freak and he grew up in Oregon. His dad's a, a football coach uh, at the high school level. And so he grew up moving around in Northern Oregon as his dad moved from job to job. Um, but starting at, you know, five, six years old, this guy has been training uh, for this moment. I, I mean, like doing workouts, nutrition plans, um, things like that to really put himself in this position. I mean, he is a machine and, you know, he, he has been, you know, kind of eyeing this for a long time. So just, he's a physical freak in terms of size, speed, um, strength, but also the way he trains. Um, I mean, it, it's really something to behold. And then, you know, maybe a guy that's maybe not as known, um, uh, Bajan, the quarterback at, at Shepard. I've got a story coming out next week on The Athletic uh, for more on that. Hopefully people check it out. Uh, his dad is a world champion arm wrestler. Top three all time, okay? Like That's top awesome. three in his sport. His dad uh, is, is 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 big time in the sport. I, I, would, I would call him part uh, Dana White, part Vince McMahon. I mean, he's a promoter. <laughs> he's big time into it and this guy is he's won a 28 world championships 11 or as a 17 left-handed because he's naturally lefty and then uh what you know uh whatever the the math is for you know the right-handed so he is a really interesting character I, i've had a lot of 
uh, good times talking to him, getting to know him a little bit better and getting t- talking to um, you know, uh, Tyson and, and fi- finding out more about him and his journey. You know, he actually last offseason, he entered the transfer portal. There are a lot of schools that wanted him. Maryland, they rolled out the red carpet for him uh, mm-hmm. to play his final year uh, in Maryland. West Virginia, same thing. Um, and at the end of the day, he decided to stay at Shepard uh, D2 because uh, he was on pace to graduate. And if he transferred, he had all these credit issues and mm-hmm. he didn't want to put off graduation. He wanted to graduate. So and he's from Shepherd, uh, Shepherdstown uh, down there in, in West Virginia. So, um, you know, it's uh, you know, Bajit's a, a D2 quarterback that people need to know about. because He's got a chance to get drafted and he's got a really fun backstory. And so um, hopefully people you know look for that story next week uh, on The Athletic. I, I go delve a lot more into it, uh, a lot more background stuff. So he, he's a lot of fun. Very excited to read that for sure. Connor and I were just going over the early senior bowl acceptance list and there is Badgett's name right there uh, sitting there for the quarterback class setting the tone was the first guy to accept an invite. So we knew that we had to get more information on him. Of course, the place that we would come to to learn more information. It's Dame Brugler. You know, his fantastic work over at the athletic, make sure you read not just that article, but everything that Dame puts out. He's a fantastic follow a must follow for all of draft season. Dane, Thank you so much again for joining us here. This is a lot of fun. No, anytime, guys. I appreciate it. There he goes, our good friend, Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Everybody, make sure you go sign up for The Athletic. Read all of Dane's fantastic work. Connor, I love getting to pick Dane's brain. I mean, I know we said this at the beginning of the show, but um, you always learn these little nuggets. And I love that question that you asked about C.J. Stroud specifically and just like where the range was because it feels like we get sucked into these way too early mock drafts. And then we just think that things aren't supposed to change and they do, they, they do very much. And I think a lot of people were really hopeful for CJ Stroud going into the season. They liked what could be there for him, but yeah. it's not like he has blown the doors off to prove that he's got to be a lock of a top three pick. Uh, even if we think that he's going to go top half top of the first round, top 10, whatever it is. So that was fascinating. I loved hearing about that as well as the rest of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I think what's so awesome about talking to Dane and reading his content is he's he's one of the few people in our industry that can actually be a conversation starter, right? There's a lot of people in the industry that that follow the conversations and there's nothing right. wrong with that, but when Dane does something that I walked away and obviously I'm sure people heard it in my questions, your questions. I looked at that and said the quarterback conversation is fascinating. Maybe Shroud's not this guaranteed top two pick like we've been thinking for a long time. Mm-hmm. The cornerback trio at the top, there is going to be a, a ton of debate around it because I, I've i heard grades on those guys are all over the place from in the first round all the way to the third round. So, mm-hmm. And I would side with Dane that all three of those guys probably do go in the first round. They all have I a realistic so. shot yeah. at the top 20. Because uh, team grades can be really, really harsh and should be l- taken as a curve, right? If you have a quarterback that has a second round grade, he's going in the top 10 picks. So that was fascinating to me. Um, how <laughs> the true. offensive line conversation ch- changes with Olu, which I'm just mind blown. Remember when I said to you in the midweek show, I was like, yeah, you know, he could have been a top 10 kind of guy. Top. And Dan was like, I had him in the top five for the mock draft. It's That's, just, yeah. What a what a blow that is, man. That's massive. Huge. Massive. Huge, especially yeah. asking him about the rest of the offensive tackles and saying, hey, is there anybody else you get in here? And he's like, mm, probably not. But we know the yeah, league yeah. has to go after these trench guys, right? Also, yeah, it was interesting absolutely. hearing about wide receiver. Um, 
Jackson Smith and Jigba, anywhere from a first to a third round grade. That's another one, man. We went into the year. We did these early mock drafts because I like doing early mock drafts because they're fun, but you got to remember what they are. They're simply to put names up here for you to recognize. These guys have potential to be first rounders. This isn't necessarily, hey, like this is absolutely going to happen. And um, I just think that a lot, you've got to be open-minded for these early mock drafts. Really anything Anything before bowl season, like senior bowl season, shrine bowl, senior bowl, anything before that, you've got to realize that mock drafts can be very volatile in, in where these oh, guys yes. are going and all the names that are there. So I just, it was great to learn about what he thinks about these prospects, where he's heard the league believes these prospects to be drafted. So always a good conversation, but we promised that we would get to you guys' voicemails. So um, we should, yeah. oh, wait, well, wait, before we get to do that, I got to read ads because I'm an idiot. So I got to read ads first. Could have done a better transition there, but here we go. We got a new sponsor for today's podcast, our friends over at BroThrow. Have you ever bet on sports with your friends? Well, BroThrow is the only sports betting platform that lets you bet directly with friends in all 50 states. That's right. No fees, no juice, no middleman at all. BroThrow is not a sports book, and it's and not paying juice on the sports book saves you a ton of money in the long run. BroThrow is a social platform, okay? You can take control of who you bet with, Know who's on the other side of every single bet that you create or accept. Easily create and accept bets and easily track your profits and payments. Always see the value of your bet right in front of you. Don't have to deposit any money for a bro-throw account either. Betters pay each other directly. That's why it's peer-to-peer. It's a social app. Connect your Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, Skrill, Strike, anything. Betting $11 to win 10 when you bet through a book stinks. With, with bro-throw, you bet $10, you win $10. Simple as that. Throw out your first bet. Go to brothrow.com backslash stock to get into the group for this here podcast. Use the promo code STOCK. Brothrow is free to sign up for. Cut out the middleman. Start betting on Brothrow. That is brothrow.com backslash stock. Also want to talk to you guys about Symbol. You guys have heard us talk about them before. They are the stock market for sports, and they're giving away their best offer for New Year's Year's yet. Symbol is offering $500 risk-free for people who join when you sign up using the promo code NFLSE, your first deposit comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. What's better than that? If you were hesitant or about joining or simply haven't joined yet, you could do so with a risk-free deposit. A reminder, Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Symbol is a peer-to-peer market that took the thrill of sports betting and turned it into a stock market to give fans a new way to speculate on their favorite pro and college teams. Now you can join with a $500 money-back guarantee. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store using the promo code NFLSE to get that risk-free deposit up to $500. Whether you want to invest in up-and-coming teams like the Detroit Lions, like the Houston Texans, get in on things early. Or if you think the guys at the top, the Minnesota Vikings, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, they still got a little bit further to go. You can earn money either way. So Symbol allows you to buy and sell team stocks and profit from your sports knowledge no matter what. So check them out with Symbol over on the iOS store. All right, Connor. Voicemail time. Voicemail time. First one. Here we go. Connor, Trevor. Yuke here, coming at you all the way from the Middle East. Appreciate the show. Love it. I've actually been listening for a very long time, I think since the first episode. Um, what if Anthony Richardson becomes a Giant? The Giants are probably going to be picking in a range where Anthony Richardson, around where he could, he's going to fall. Um, and with after what Brian Dable did with Josh Allen, I really think Anthony Richardson could be the future for the Giants. He could sit you know, back for a year while the Giants figure out some way to bring back Daniel Jones for one more year. 
Anthony Richardson takes a year, learns under Brian Dable, learns, I guess, behind Daniel Jones, and he could really be their future. What do you guys think about that? Thank you guys for the show and for everything you guys do. Appreciate it. I love it. Sure. I love I, it. Well, sure. Yeah. I, I absolutely. It, okay. So let's do the why we love it and then poke holes in the plan. Right. And I know that was just a rough outline. Spot on. Brian mm-hmm. Dable. If I was picking five coaches that were going to be in charge of Anthony Richardson's development at the NFL level, Brian Dable is absolutely in the top five. He might even be in the top three, to be honest with you. I think he's a guy that understands how to use a skill set that has big-time rushing ability and mm-hmm. big-time arm talent, but minimize, minimize the decision-making and the, the how much is going on around him. And Richardson, in that scenario, would not have to play right away, which I think is the most important scenario for Anthony Richardson. 100%. Trevor, what do you think about it? Well, I mean, to your Dable point, that's 100% correct. Even when he was in his last year with the Buffalo Bills and what we're seeing from the New York Giants now. What's the thing that we have boasted about the Giants all year long, okay? They won too Maybe... many games. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. As this is a draft podcast. Um, we say look, that about everyone. Look, you get to the point with the Giants where, okay, the talent gap is sometimes just too big between them and other teams, yeah. but why have they won quote unquote too many games it's because Brian, because Brian Dable understands exactly what's going to work with the group he has more than any i don't want to say more than any other coach but he is in that top tier of coaches that can honestly truthfully look at a roster and say okay this is what we're going to do well if we play this style of offense and if we play this style of defense and next year it might look different and they're going to adjust, and they're going to get to something else. But he's just such a good coach because I feel like he he puts guys in situations to succeed. So Anthony Richardson going to a spot like that, we would absolutely love. The biggest hole in this theory or wish, whatever you want to say, is the Daniel Jones theory, right? Can you bring Daniel Jones back for one year? No. Uh, no, no, probably no. not. There's, no. there's going to be a team out there that is going to offer – multiple years in a contract to daniel jones i think three i think three right and i i i tend to agree it's probably going to be three which is the sweet spot are you going to do that if you're the giants you're probably not going to do that if you think that you're just going to draft the quarterback at the back end of the first round so that's the biggest issue for me is is does daniel jones come back for something that makes something like that feasible on one hand Jones could like Brian Dable enough to say, hmm, I like my career being in the hands of Brian Dable more than I would a different team. And there's, I think there's, there's validation to that, but is it enough to probably walk away from millions of more dollars in the form of maybe a higher per year average or just more years? That's where you kind of lose me. And I would feel like Daniel Jones is trying to cash in to another team and another contract in that way. So Biggest, I, I love it for the reasons that the voicemail said, but I don't know if that reality is going to exist the way that they want to set it up. If they wanted to do that, they might have to explore the Jacoby Brissett situation, someone like that where he's been in that spot before, right, yeah. where he knows he's not given anything. And I, I'm actually fascinated to see how those contracts work out. Brissett and Daniel oh, yeah. Jones, right? Yeah. It's there's a lot to unpack there, but it was a um, great question, great fit. One that we will – that'll not be the last time that we talk about the fit with Anthony Richardson and the New York Giants. Would love the fit. Would, lo- would love the fit. Uh, I don't 
I don't know how comfortable I would be with him in the first round at this point, but like the talent ceiling is so high. Like it's just so high. And I know a lot of people look at Anthony Richardson and they're like, he can't hit the broadside of a barn sometimes. And you know what? You're right. There are times when it looks like he just can't complete the simplest of passes. But this is his first year of his, as a starter. Yeah. Jordan you know, Dan, Love had that problem coming out, and he went in the first round. Dan Mullen really didn't have any kind of offense set up for this guy. That off, that whole offense was set up for Emory Jones. It wasn't even to go around uh, Anthony Richardson's strengths. So this guy's dealing with an offense that actually lets him learn, I think, for the first time. So there's just a, there's a lot of reasons to – I understand that the right now there's a lot of reason to be skeptical about, about Richardson, and you would not want him starting in the NFL next year. Absolutely not. But there's plenty of reason to believe that he's going to be uh, a good quarterback at the pro level, especially if you give him time to learn. Next up. Next. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Brennan. Um, huge fan of the pod. I've been listening and watching you guys uh, since last draft cycle. Um, I've been a diehard Broncos fan my whole life. Um, ever since Peyton left, it has been pretty rough to say those words. Uh, thought this year would be a little different, and it has somehow gotten worse. Honestly, I like to think that I know a lot about football, but I'm also just watching it every Sunday. I'm not studying. I'm not deep diving into the league like you guys are. My question is, is what do you what do you guys think is wrong with the Broncos? Do you think it is Russ? Do you think that be the reason that they're underperforming is because he's underperforming? Is the reason that a lot of our skill positions are out because of injury or is Nathaniel Hackett just that bad at being an NFL coach or is it a combination of the three I want to know what your guys' takes are um because I frankly am getting tired of this team already thanks guys uh, a c a b and c all the above well, let's right? see Brennan said Brennan set it up this way shout out Brennan for getting a voicemail and appreciate you you got a potential quarterback problem that's bad enough to bring up. You got injuries to your offensive skill positions that's bad enough to bring up. And you got uncertainty at the coaching spot, which is bad enough to bring up. All of those things, absolute offensive killers. And you not only have one of them, not Brendan personally, but the Broncos. You not only have one of them, you have all three of them. So there's a lot that's going wrong in Denver. Now, I I, I don't want to sit here and say that there's no hope for it yeah, next sure. year, right? I think at this point, I would still be leaning that Nathaniel Hackett's going to be back next year. I think this offseason is going to be a lot of self-reflection for him and what it takes to be a head coach and how he can best be a head coach for this team. Um, I know that when you're about 15 years into your NFL career, like Russell Wilson is, I'm not sure an off season of sitting back and contemplating is going to be a lot of change, but we've also seen Russell Wilson play well in the past. Now, is it as well as he was playing, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, those years. Okay. Maybe not, but I still think he could be a good quarterback, man. So I got to think that there's, there's a chance that he gets better. And then of course health. I mean, that's, that's, that's luck to me. You know, that's, that's, guys playing a violent physical game and they're getting hurt. And that's just, that's an unlucky part of it. I would say though, that Denver still needs a skill position player. And whether it's the first round, second round, third round, something, I think they need to upgrade the skill positions. You know, I think wide receivers an area that they've got to be able to hit, perhaps getting another dynamic player out of the backfield to couple with Javante Williams. And when Javante gets back, I know they're excited about him as well, but, I think it's all of these things, man. To answer the question, I it think is. it's all of these things, but 
you can't make sweeping changes to all three in one off season. I don't think it's just not going to work out like that. So you got to pick and choose the ones that you think could get better. And that's just my overall thoughts on the Broncos right now. Yeah. And there's no picking and choosing. If I had to ask you, what do you think Russell Wilson's dead money is in the year 2026? 26, 26. What's his dead money? Yeah. If they wanted to move on from Russell Wilson when he's 38 years old in 2026, what would it cost them on the cap? So in four years. Yep, four years from now. Well, I mean, you're asking me, so it's probably egregious. So I'm going to say like $45 million. 31.2. Okay, all right. I mean, like I just shot for the moon, but 31 no, in four years right is thing. still – That's insane. It's 49.6 the year before that, so you, you were on it. I was close. I was close. Crazy. That's bad. Crazy. It's not good. So anyway, to answer the question in a serious manner, I, I mean, yes, it's when things are this bad, it's it's all three. I think the if I had to rank them, mm-hmm. it's tough to have a quarterback in decline that's holding the ball forever mm-hmm. in a coach that has no sense of game flow with an offense that can't bail either of them out. Right. I, I mean, mean that's, yeah, that's good explanation. I look at it. I, you look at other teams, right? I think it's easy for me to use these examples because I'm here and I'm immersed in it so much. But I look at the Giants and the Jets. And with Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones, and obviously the Jets have moved to Mike White, and Jones has had some moments this year, to be fair to him. But those teams, I think they both have pretty good coaching staffs. They both have pieces on offense when you look at Saquon Barkley, especially when Brees Hall was playing. Mm -hmm. Those two things, when things got bad under center, bailed out the quarterbacks under center in a lot of wins and when russ is struggling which appears to be all the time at this point the broncos don't have the skill talent like you said because they got hurt and they don't have a coach that has any adjustments to do that so yes brendan's brendan nailed it he answered his own question we just expanded on it it is all three aspects but when the quarterback is making an unbelievable amount of money until he's 40 years old he needs to bail out the other two. Right. And he's yeah. not. So yeah. Russell Wilson deserves all of the blame and mockery that he gets. Yeah, I I mean, that's, that's a logical way to think about it. I think head coach is their biggest issue right now, though, because I think you can get Russ figured out or at least you can get Russ on a on a closer same page with the rest of everything else that's going on. Like if average had, play? Yeah. yeah, if you had a head coach that knew how to do it. And I don't know if Hackett does. I don't cover I don't cover the Broncos specifically, so I can't pretend to have heard every answer, been at every press conference. I, I can't pretend to do that, and I won't here on the show. But it feels as though if they had a better head coach, or at least a head coach that was operating things better within the building, I should say that because there's – I don't want to say that it's impossible for Hackett to do it, but he's clearly not doing it this year. If they had Hackett doing that, I feel like a lot of these other things would be alleviated. And that's where I think they're going to upgrade at wide receiver somehow. You know, I think they're going to upgrade at playmaker this offseason. Russ is not going anywhere. No. Hackett obviously just needs to go into this offseason and just be like, what do I need to do to be a better head coach? And I think that's, to me, that's where the Broncos are. That's what I. Th- that's what I think the Broncos. The predicament that the Broncos are in. I think it's gonna. It's just. It's for as much as Russ is struggling, I think it's all on Hackett's shoulders because they're not gonna. They can't move on from Russ. They can move on from Hackett though, 
and hockey can change a lot. That's my thoughts. You're right. Absolutely. But the question is they need to figure out who the hell wants to take that job. Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, Russell Wilson does not have a good reputation in the NFL amongst coaches. Clearly. I, I mean, I don't need to be an insider to tell you that, but I do know it for, for firsthand. So we'll, we'll coach the team. We will coach the team. We can be hired as dual GM head coach Mm -hmm. and we can rotate weeks like a two quarterback system. Oh, nice. One week so like, I go out and do the scouting and you coach the team, and then the next week nice. I'm back on the sidelines. Yeah. That'll definitely work. That'll definitely work. Yeah. I would always use my timeouts before the two minute drill, so I'm never open to criticism. I I'd use all three of my timeouts on the first drive out of the on half, the first right? drive. Yeah. Of the half. Smart. Yeah. You can yeah. never you'd be bulletproof. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't have any timeouts. <laughs> <laughs> you only get three guys. And that's how you survive in this league, folks. That's how you survive in this league. We would have a good time with the media. Oh, man. All right, last voicemail. Yep. Here here we go. Hey, guys. Joel here. 5'10", 162. I was wondering what the issue with the Chargers is. Obviously, they've had terrible injury luck, but is it something more than that? Is it that they're just too slow on offense, or is it coaching or roster construction? What is wrong with them, and who can I blame? Uh, thank you. Number one, incredible introduction. Mm. Shout out, Joel. And just talk about just getting the podcast. <laughs> 510, off the bump. Yeah. I think there will be a point in time where every voicemail is intro that way. I hope. I hope. Is that, isn't, that a Dan, isn't that a Dan Patrick show thing, though? I just thought it's because we do the 65240 thing all no, the time. No, I th- I think it is. I think that's why Joel does it. But Joel also might be doing it because I think it's a Dan Patrick thing. Like if you is if it? you call if you call into the Dan Patrick show, I think that you start by saying your name and then and then the wait. That's but I don't I love that bit. I don't know if I don't know if this is uh if Joel's doing it because of that or if he's doing it because the two co hosts of this show are um six five two forty. But unbelievable. What do you think is wrong with the Chargers? We talk about them a lot on Sunday nights, but we don't we don't ever really dive into I I know I was quoted as saying I can't figure out this team. Yeah. Um besides um, injuries, which he already he alluded to. It's it's a you can't bury their like a lot of teams go, everybody's got injuries. The Chargers just seem to find the yeah. most impactful ones for a decade. Obviously losing Bo obviously losing Bosa is tough. Like later. Yeah, you're losing Slater as well. You lost J.C. Jackson for the year. And, and, you know, when you look at the Chargers, you go, okay, they spent big money at corner. They needed to upgrade a corner. They went and they got themselves J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson was playing very poorly, and they oh, got hurt awful. for the year. And so it's like, yeah. wow, okay, you know, they tried. They went off, They went after a guy with as many resources as they could, and it didn't work out for him. You have Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa's an incredible defensive lineman. He gets hurt. You miss him for a half the season. Rayshon Slater, a, a franchise left tackle, goes down for the year. Like, these aren't just things that you could just brush off. Mike Williams missed time. Keenan Allen missed time again. And even when those two guys have been on the field, this offense is missing a deep threat. They're missing speed. We did a mock draft for it, the Itches football show on PFS YouTube channel. And the Chargers are currently picking 17th. And I jokingly said while we were doing the show, I was like, Jalen Hyatt here would be hilarious. I'm not going to do it because it's too early for Jalen Hyatt. But Jalen Hyatt's perfect for what this offense needs. They need somebody to take the top off to allow Mike Williams to play as a pure outside number two wide receiver and to let Keenan Allen absolutely cook people with a ton of space and a lot of two-way goes on the inside from the slot. So, 
like that is something, you know, Joel said, he, he set it up a lot. Like it's the injuries, things that you can't brush off. And it's also, I think they are still lacking a premier speed playmaker on the outside. It's other than that, they have a lot of recipes there. And I, I get it. It's tough. Fans just fans want something to be mad at. You know, Joel ended the voicemail and it was, it was funny. I laughed at it, but he's like, who can I blame? That's what fans want to know. They want to know who can I blame? What can we blame here? And unfortunately it's, it's tough. You go out and you spend the resources on JC Jackson. It doesn't work out for you. You took a swing on free agency and that doesn't work. You go into another year. You're some of your top players on both sides of the ball. I mean, come on. Corner one, uh, edge one, offensive tackle one, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. All of those have been hurt. If I line that up for you, I don't care what team you are in the NFL, you're probably going to stop. Basically, basically, I'm at the point where unless you're just Patrick Mahomes, the entire rest of your team's going to suck if you miss corner one, edge one, offensive tackle one, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. Those are the, those are the premier positions in football, minus quarterback. And even quarterback, Justin Herbert's been hurt. He's had the rib injury. So as much as I would love to give you a scapegoat here, Joel, kind of just is what it is with Chargers. And has, has you know, has Staley coached perfectly this year? No, no he, he's been, no. he has not been good this year. Let's call it what it is. And I mean, like, no, it's been, it's, it's been a bit of a struggle year for him with some decision makings, but come on, man. When you deal with with so many injuries to so many talented players, and then you're forced to basically be elite, perfect as a coach when it comes to decision making, it's just not going to be the case. You know, it's not going to be the case. And I think it's a tough bar and it's a tough thing that Staley's having to deal with. But I, I'm not saying that he's completely blameless in all of this. But it's just, I do feel for Staley. He's in a tough situation with given the injuries that he's had. He is. I think the thing that he rightfully catches a lot of heat on and i know there's a lot of you know differing opinions he's an offensive coach he's a defensive coach i think you could safely say he's both with his long long background but defensive minded first i mean trevor they're just horrific against the run like they're they're not they're not competitive in my eye against the run when you look at the teams that have graded out the worst against the run just based on pff's grading system they are the fourth worst team it is the Bears, Browns, Texans, and Chargers. The for Browns, a team, man. man. How are the Browns that bad? Man? That's a whole nother all, conversation. All they do in practice is run the ball, I'm sure. It's, They've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Whole nother conversation. But anyways. So yeah, it's it's a like the Broncos conversation. There's just a lot to unpack. And yep. I get you want to be angry with one thing individually. And we've all every football fan observer has been there. Um, some of it's bad luck. Some of it's bad coaching, in my opinion. So, all right, there we go. That's often the downfall of the league. Yeah, fun show. Very strong. Fun show. Close out the week strong. Oh, always, like, brother. Like, always. uh, yeah, I don't have a reference. I'm done. You my words name, are done. You couldn't. I had any... something, but I'm I'm keeping it in the back pocket. It wasn't okay. the time or the place. Okay. All right. I won't push you on it then. I'll, I'll you. let you. I'll let you keep it in the back pocket. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who uh, watched the show, listened to the show this week. Shout out to Dame Brugler for joining us here today. That was a lot of fun. Shout awesome. out to all of you guys for sending in your voicemails. If you want to send in a voicemail to the show, we'll be sure to get to voicemails every single week, no matter what show, wherever we can squeeze it in. Speakpipe.com backslash NFLSC is the best way to do that. We love getting you guys in on the show, and uh, for good reason. Obviously, we like having these conversations here, and you guys' opinion on things is a lot of fun for us. That's it. 
for us this week, but we will be back with you, of course, on Monday for everybody's favorite episode. It is what matters most. We're going to set up the playoffs. We're going to set up the draft. We're going to tell you what matters most from everything that we are about to see in week 13. Is it week 13 already? Week it's almost 13. over. And the NFL season. A lot of action to watch, even in college football, too. Championship Saturday. So, Enjoy the weekend, my friends. We will see you on Monday. I'm Trevor Sikkim, and that's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast.